Welcome. Let's join best-selling author Fred Kuhn as he interviews our next guest expert. Welcome, everybody. Workplace Strategies, the U.S. at Work. We have an interesting program today, one that is actually near and dear to my heart on behavioral competencies, EQ, all of that. Our guest today is Jim Vave. Jim is the director of North America for the Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network. Jim's been a business owner for over 35 years. He speaks the language of CEOs and uses his personal experiences to connect with decision makers in the business arena. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Fred. I'm glad to be here and share a little bit with you about emotional intelligence. Let's go into EQ. What is it? Why is it important? From a CEO perspective, which you are, have been, and work with CEOs, what's the positioning on, on EQ? Well, EQ is a very, it's defined very simply. It's just being smarter with feelings and being able to blend your cognitive and your emotional input to make better decisions. And for so many years, and I was guilty of this myself, we tried to breed the emotions out of people when they came to work. We said, emotions, they have no place at work. Don't bring them here. And that's not really very likely to happen. Let's explore that just a little bit. How would you not want to have emotions at work? Or why would you take them out? And what is the advantage of bringing them back in? I guess that's kind of two sides of the, of the same coin, isn't it? It is. I don't know that there was any advantages to keeping them out of work. We thought it was because we felt that people that were emotional spent time worrying or crying or being upset or gossiping or talking around the water cooler or whatever and not doing the jobs that they were hired to do. And what ended up happening is through a period of time, we found out that the emotions are going to happen whether we say, don't bring them to work, don't take them home. We all take emotions with us constantly. And so what happens when you use your emotions at work? Well, there's something called consequential thinking. And the emotions help us to understand what the consequences are of the decisions we make. How are we going to feel about a decision once it's made? Is that sort of like putting your walking a mile in the other fellow's shoes, trying to understand the impact of what you're saying and doing on others? Yes, it is, actually. When we have the ability to have empathy for somebody else, which means walking with somebody else's feelings, so that's a very well put way of saying it, Fred. We want to be able to understand what somebody else is feeling when we make our decisions. And unless we're willing to really pay attention to the signals that we're getting, we're not going to do a very good job of understanding it. I don't remember, and I apologize for not remembering the name of the author who once said, you know, do you play well with others? That's my phrase. And, you know, it's like your first grade playground. Those people that played well with others were popular and those that didn't weren't. It's kind of the same thing in the workplace, isn't it? I mean, those people can get along with others. Well, think about it. If you if you feel like somebody you're dealing with on a regular basis makes you feel creepy, and I've heard that word used a lot recently, this guy makes me feel creepy, what do you do with that person? You shun them, you walk away from them, you avoid them. 
if a person comes in and is always smiling and has a good attitude and looks at life as opportunity and possibility, you want some of that energy. And the energy that we get from them is a direct response to the chemicals, hormones, and peptides that are pumped into our system. Interesting. So there's a biophysical part of this too. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I found out when I first started learning about emotional intelligence is how fast those chemicals, hormones, and peptides flood our system. And it happens in a tenth of a second. That's very fast. <laughs> That's very fast. And so what do you do with that when you, when you have something flooding your system? How do you manage that? How do you work with that? And the, the six seconds that is in the primary part of this name of the company that I work with, the Emotional Intelligence Network, six seconds is because it takes that long for the chemicals, hormones, and peptides to subside or the neocortex to help overcome the amygdala. Is that sort of take a deep breath and think about what you're about to say before you say it? Yes. It takes six seconds and think through what you're going to say, because I don't know about you, Fred, but I've said some things to my wife, Lynette, that I wished I had never said. And if I had taken those six seconds, I would have stayed out of trouble. Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda had an auto, right? <laughs> yeah, and all of those failed me. Yeah. Let me go to something that I, I want to ask you about. You used the term noble goals. What do you mean by noble goals? Tell me the why, the wherefore, and the what of that. All right. So a noble goal, it is this mission, if you will, inside of you. It's greater than a mission statement. It's greater than a value statement. It is everything that you believe in. It makes you your isness. It is what you are. And it drives everything in your life for the rest of your life because you never attain it. You are always reaching for it. You're always using it as a lens to look through. You look at the end of the day through that lens and you say, did I follow my intentions today? And the answer is yes or no, if you're being honest with yourself. Because noble goals take a whole bunch of things into consideration. One of them being, am I walking with other people's feelings? Am I thinking about the consequences that I had today with the decisions I made? That's very hard to do, Jim, is to constantly be aware. I think we run on automatic, don't we, most of the time? So it's really stopping and starting over again in terms of your thinking about approaching others and yourself. Well, first of all, why do you think they call it noble? <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess noble means unobtainable. And also not easy. What happens is for all of us, and I think you know a little bit about this, Fred, so I'm going to be speaking to the choir, but our neural pathways are made by repetition. And our repetition might be bad behavior. It might be good behavior. It might be behavior that's neither of those. But if we are having outcomes that we do not like in our life, it's not from our logic as much as from our feelings dictating what our logic is going to be. That's very true. That's absolutely true. You know, it's interesting. I did a podcast yesterday with Michelle Blakely. It was called Boiling Frogs and the Big and Little E. But it really dealt with the intersection <laughs> dealt with the intersection of ethics and leadership. 
And it's kind of the same thing. Those ethics, the big E, has to be supported by the little E, which is the, are the daily things, the big E, the noble, and then the actions are the little E. So it's, it's, it's that I've got to practice what I preach. I've got to figure out what it is I'm preaching, start off with, right? And then how do I, how do I make that happen in everyday life regularly in, in my interactions with people and with myself? Yes, and if you how do if you don't know what you believe then, other than money as an example, or other than a larger house, or other than accomplishing a goal like getting an advanced degree, which is very important and it should be done. But what happens after you get this advanced degree? What happens after you get your pile of money? What happens after you get this house that you're looking for? What happens to us is what? And that is where a lot of people crash because they don't have something that's after that. And the usual statement is, oh, I'm going to retire and uh, go fishing or play golf every day. And that lasts about six to eight weeks and then they get bored. So there's, it's the post immediate that people I don't think really think about. No, they don't. They really don't. That's, that's also falls into the consequential thinking. Because, yeah, it's, ni- it's nice to take a break from the rat race that we've all been working and living and running in. But after we get rested, after we get healed, after we have a desire to really have some meaning and value in life, what next? What do we believe in? You and I both are of an age we can look back 25 years and say, boy, if I had to do it over again, what would I do? What's your what would I do? Well, I can talk about, so let's talk about business since that's part of what I know pretty well. And I started a company and I had partners, business partners. And I would do a couple of things over again, and I'm not projecting on anybody else. I'm talking about what I would do. And that is that I had a gentleman that had a PhD in the, in the industry that we were working in. I do not have a PhD, but he did. I'm a business owner, an entrepreneur, so I built things. But this gentleman was a gentle, soft, wonderful guy who's he had a very narrow focus on what he was doing and he did it very well. He was one of the best in the country and it wasn't good enough for me. I didn't like the speed at which he was doing the things that he was doing. I felt like it could be done better, faster, quicker. And I tried to mold him into my image of what he should have been. And it was sort of like a a coiled spring in a very tightly coiled spring that was held bent over by a very fragile clasp. And eventually it got to the point where the clasp rotted and the spring bounded back and he rebelled. And he rebelled by shutting down. And the amazing output that he had been giving all along slowly ground to a halt. And my relationship with him was destroyed. And I haven't had a relationship with him since. And I regret that horribly. It was one of the worst moments of my life when I realized that I had done something to a very gentle spirit, to a gentle soul who was doing a very good job. And I was too blind to see it because I was not, period, walking with his feelings. We've all done that, haven't we, Jim? I mean, I've been in that situation too, of course. And what you just described, isn't that sort of like divorce? 
In other words, you try to make the other, oh, well, I'll overlook that, and then you can't overlook it, and then you try to change it, and that leads to other things that may not be so pleasant if the communication is not good between the two people. And so it sometimes leads to divorce, or leads to shutdown, or it leads to whatever. Isn't it the same kind of thing? Well, we were we were in we were business partners, so we got divorced. Right, <laughs> of course, that's right. All right, you got divorced. All right, same kind of thing. If you want to share with people, if they could take one thing away today from this, what's a first step that they can engage in to move themselves forward in terms of thinking about how to do some of these things and position themselves better? I think it's sort of like a uh, complicated question with a complicated answer, which is also right. simple. <laughs> you give courses on this. <laughs> we, we do give courses on this. And Six Seconds is well known for the courses that they give. But I think the point to this is to realize that our brain prefers something. And that is either logical processing or emotional processing. And neither one of those is wrong or right. It's just what our brain prefers. But at a deeper level, our emotions are always present. They are always helping us or hindering us in focusing on the things that we want to focus on that are important to us. And so a first step would be to understand how your emotions work. And it's, and it's very simple to do that. Six Seconds has an amazing library, free resources to do that. We're a nonprofit, so we're not interested in making gobs of money, but understanding why your emotions do what they do. So as an example, we have a model that is a three-quadrant model that has three life pursuits or main categories called self-awareness, self-management, self-direction. Then we have outcomes. What are your outcomes? What do you believe in? And so those outcomes are four. So it's effectiveness, relationships, well-being, and quality of life. And once you want to know what your quality of life is, Fred, I would. And we have competencies. You know, we have eight competencies. We have all the way from empathy all the way up to navigating emotions. And, And to understand all of those is a first step to deciding what you want to do. Folks, we have been spending time with Jim Vave on behavioral competencies, the EQ. Jim, let's do another one, and let's explore that last part of what we were talking about in more depth. What do you say? That's great. I love it. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us today, Jim. And I love to be here. Thank you for visiting with us. We welcome your comments and suggestions and look forward to having you join us soon at Workplace Strategies.